0: Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way.
1: The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift.
0: And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right, Chris, welcome. Uh, Thank you for that. For those of you who cannot see, we are on video. While we do our podcast, and Chris just uh, just thrilled me here late on a Thursday. While we do our podcasts, thank you, my man. Yeah, here, here to bring the energy. Keeping it light, keeping it light. Well, folks, uh, you know we've been talking a bunch about um, ideas around how to excel in sales and um, sales leadership, um, driving growth. And you know, Chris and I were talking the other day about success, and he laid a phrase on me that got me thinking, meaningful success. And so a lot of what uh, we do when we coach sales teams is really think about not just what we're doing, but why the hell we're doing it, right? Uh, There is always the why that includes quota, commission, uh, support my lifestyle, buy the car, have the vacation make the investments that I want to make, secure my family and future and so forth. Uh, But there's a bigger question around uh, what drives us and is it meaningful? And I'd love it, Chris, if you could just uh, kick us off with what you mean by meaningful success and your meaningful success model.
1: Yes. Yeah. I think even before I get into the organizational piece, just the personal piece, you know and i remember talking about it with you and as you resonated you you said yeah what's it all for uh, and that was such a great question because i think for so many of us we don't pause and reflect and yeah it, it's been a number of things in life one of them was a big health scare this year that even deepened the value for me about what it's all for and it's, it's one of these things where we chase success. We chase success with our joy, with our passion, with our intensity, with our fire, with our fury. And if we aren't careful, if we're not careful, we can chase success and not have the meaning. And so when I say meaning, it's, it's this reality that it all matters. Like I'm chasing success, Or I'm letting success catch me, if you need the twist of phrase. But I'm also experiencing meaning as I do it. So I'm avoiding so many of the pitfalls leaders and organizations fall into today and uh, seeing this achievement happen in my life in a way that I'm proud of where I got and proud of how I got there. And this for me isn't just any kind of empty platitudes. This is what it means to reflect on the kind of life leadership you want to build, the kind of organization teams you want to build. And so from a small picture to a big picture, uh, a lot has come together to define how we help people and how we help organizations.
0: Right, right. So this is not a touchy-feely kind of uh, exercise. Uh, This is really about how, organizations can um, methodically um, cultivate um, this idea of success and not just cultivate it, but support it in a way that's healthy.
1: Exactly. Exactly. If if a person's listening to this and they have a meaningful life they want to live, let's just define that. They want to choose with intentionality to live humanistic values. And that's a, a broad term, you know, values like transparency, vulnerability, kindness, and empathy, but still get the results, success, achievement, performance, hitting these benchmarks. You know, this is what, this is what the world needs right now. This is what we're hungry for. And so we define it this way, healthy leaders and scalable teams to build growth cultures. This is a process, these three parts have uh, datatized work behind them so that we can measure what it means to be a healthy leader. Is the team ready for scale? Scale from where they are to the next level or scale at launch? And then what it looks like for them to put into place the necessary components to keep a growth culture occurring. So for people that don't want to grow, we're not going to make a lot of sense. For people that don't want to do it in a meaningful way, intentionally choosing values they can be proud of, vulnerability, accountability, I mean, there's just so many I didn't list, Um, then this is for those that want both. And avoid so much of what happens right now in building leaders and organizations. And you know, I'd really love to dive into these because I think this is what so much of what people right now are finding such a distaste for. Uh, False hustle, the pressure of it, hustle culture. You know, I mean, we can go on and on. Yeah, we'll shoot off from there. But the idea is there is a model, and this model helps you understand exactly how to get to meaningful success.
0: Right. So, so it sounds like what you're saying when you talked about healthy leaders, scalable teams, and growth cultures. It's the way that that fits together for me is it seems like leaders. That's the seed, and then once the leader is healthy and um, focused, they can then then share whatever they've achieved and accomplished with the team. So now the team can create leverage, right, for the leader. Um, And then as the leader or leaders across the organization uh, work with their teams, then as long as they're all (laughs) leveraging the same model um, same vocabulary, same objectives, same frameworks. They can build the basis and the foundation for a growth culture. But we're not—we're not just talking about the end. The end here, though, this, this idea that you're talking about growth cultures. Um, we're not just talking about leadership for leadership's sake. We're talking about uh, developing leaders, teams, people, systems, etc. To drive growth, I mean to achieve yeah. potential. To this is this is not just this. This seems like it, it, like you said it's very intentional, but um, fraught with challenges uh, because with with the pursuit of growth creates you know, or brings pressure, right? And and stress and stressors and uh, you know choosing from your perspective to manage all of that as you teach people about. How leaders and teams create cultures seems like a big undertaking, a big task.
1: Yeah, and that's why people just usually choose one side of the coin. They choose success and trade off at some level with meaning. Uh, They chase the success, and so maybe they'll pressure people too much and and cause them to try to build heroic job descriptions that burn them out uh, or they become toxic in some way. Uh, They lose the ability to be kind and empathetic. They have people that they just throw away. They don't really think through repositioning them or caring for them. But it also means that we're going to be meaningful. So we're going to care for people, but we can't so care for people that we stop leading with an eye to results. So you go, okay, well, I want to care for people. So that means I have to nurture everyone in such a way that I can't have hard conversations. I can't release people. No, we're not saying that either. You can have both. And usually the people that are chasing success are losing their ability to make meaning. Usually the people that are making meaning are oftentimes not seeing all the success they can. So we want to bring both together Mm. and it is possible. Does it require effort and digitality? Yes, but it's not just close your eyes, throw a dart, read a leadership book and hope you hit this target. It's supported by data and processes. And the data give us the insights, the processes guide the transformation.
0: Well, I love it, man. So let's let's start with healthy leaders. So how do we how do we how should we be thinking about holistically uh, what it takes to create a healthy leader, or to be a healthy leader?
1: Yeah, ultimately, a healthy leader they have a different motivation. They are there more for what they can give than what they can get. Do they want to get something out of it? As simple as pay, uh, money, life changing exit. Sure, all that's fine. We work with those people. Uh, Do they want to get encouragement from it? A sense of vision, meaning, like we're talking about, validation? Sure. It feels good to show up and do good work and be rewarded or praised for that. Here's the problem. When you're showing up more for what you can get than what you can give, that's when it becomes dysfunctional. That's when you're unhealthy as a leader. That's when it's toxic. Because then, and, and it just has to be 51%. I'm 51% here for what I can get out of it. So I am now leading, I'm performing, I'm seeking to achieve for the validation I want. Well, then I'm no longer, uh, as a term I know you love and you help me appreciate it in fresh ways, servant leader. You're no longer a servant leader. You're leading for what you can get out of it. So healthy leadership is when you're aware that every human being wants to be seen known and heard every human being wants to be validated we all have insecurities in us every leader we've ever worked with has insecurities if you're not aware of that those insecurities are going to drive you to try to get something and then you're no longer a servant leader you're not a healthy leader
0: right right and our definition of servant leader i think would be helpful here this idea of shared we're we're serving a shared goal, and we're leading down a shared path uh, to to change or to achieve that goal. So, mm. this idea of a shared model uh, or a shared pursuit speaks to your your focus, your of humanizing the leadership role, and also making sure that um, we're not showing up uh, for what we can get more than what we can give. Because the more we give, the ultimately the more we get, because this is a shared pursuit.
1: Paradoxically, and, and I think sometimes personal examples help color it in. You think about a parent, a parent that is not a healthy parent, parents more for what they can get out of it. And so then they have trouble maybe raising the child to independence, developing healthy boundaries, being firm and compassionate. You know, they're either so compassionate they can't be firm or so firm they're not compassionate enough. And a healthy parent seeks more for what they can give to their child than what they can get from it in terms of, you know, validation or affirmation at some level. And this is true of all the roles we fulfill. And healthy leaders know how to bring who they are into the role in a way that their motive is not primarily 51% or more for what they can get out of it. Right. And yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting when you see that leader make that shift and they get that awareness because even the most uh, altruistic appearing of leaders can be doing things for the wrong thing reason. You can be doing the right things for the wrong reason, you can be doing the wrong things uh, for the right reason. I mean, there's so many ways this can get uh, confusing for people as they try to figure out who they are in their life. Simply, when you get to the heart of what you're seeking, it, there's a code. And you can crack it, and everything opens up after that. That's healthy leadership.
0: And it sounds like, um, from a data perspective, um, there are two things that you're focusing on. One is, are you the right person, the right leader for the right for the role that you're in? So, either uh, you know, the good to great, right? Uh, Jim Collins talked about who before what. We talk about what before who, and then. Let's focus on the who, in the whats. What do I mean? It's this idea of you design a role that fits the strategy of the organization, then you f- and then you find someone to play that role. But if you don't have the data that that identifies whether or not this person's an ideal fit for that role, you can make a mistake, and you can actually create a lot of friction uh, for the leader, and create a lot of stress for that leader who may not have the natural capability to achieve the growth that we're seeking. Um,
1: mm, mm.
0: And uh, and then the other, go ahead.
1: I say it's revolutionary. If you'll remember this, the other thing, it's revolutionary when you can measure someone and understand, are they showing up with a motive to give or get? And it's revolutionary when you can measure them in their role, which is the scalable team's, this starts to take off. Uh, and, I, you know, you know this. Our team has been transformed when we have uh, applied this to us and we've seen how we can balance the team for greater scale when the right people are in the right p- spots. And, and there's so many tools out there that make claims around this. But it's almost like, like personality tests. They're not scientifically validated. They often just tell you what you do They don't open you up and expand you to a deeper understanding of who you could become. Well, we're taking the opposite approach. We're using measurement that allows you to expand into who you can become as a leader and getting a role tightly defined that you show up in your zone of genius. Um, And that, to me, has been so exciting about our work together, what we can do as we look at companies and go, yeah, we can figure out exactly where the team is having gaps, how to close those gaps and how to, in future hires, build the team to withstand the pressures of scale and not depend on heroic efforts that lead to burnout. It should be the normal functioning process of the team to, to meet the demands of growth.
0: Yeah, we could talk for hours on this topic. Um, what, about, what about the transformation transferring that healthy leadership to a team and not just to create functionality in the team or to decrease discourse or improve the discourse among the team members but creating a scalable team what does that mean
1: yeah what what happens for uh, when scale is needed the pressure reveals the cracks and these cracks you know, cause all of the problems that you see when a team starts to lose its edge. At best, under severe pressure. At worst, start to really fall apart. The pressure reveals what? Two things. The insecurities of the leadership, the leaders on the team or the leader of the team, and where they're not adequately staffed, positioned for the next level of success. So the pressure's a gift. If you can recognize those two problems and you know what to do next. And so they're not ready for scale uh, if they're cracking on either of those. So you can future-proof the resiliency of the team by what? Getting this shared transformational process and vocabulary around healthy leadership, getting it defined, practiced, and lived out, modeled, not perfectly because nobody lives it perfectly, but at least consistently, and then having – people in a zone of genius, the team balanced well, and we know we can go take this next hill because it is not left up to chance. It is not left up to hope. Do we have what it takes? We know we do because we've measured it and built for it.
0: So what you're saying is, it sounds like what you're saying is that we're just transferring or just, we're, we're just giving the team members this access to the same, um, same tools that we um, gave to the leader. We're just spreading that knowledge across the team and thereby creating that scalability, that resiliency, that alignment to go forward. So the data can help us, we use data in in context of aligning the right people in the right role and then optimizing them for the role, but also giving them the tools to make sure that uh, they can handle the pressure, they can uh, operate functionally um, and they can, they can, <laughs> they can avoid the cracks, but also, um, you know, get rid of that friction that slows them down and that ultimately creates uh, the systems that create that scale. And I love thinking about leaders, people, and systems, because when you get leaders and people working together in an effective way, they can create systems now that also are optimized and those systems contribute to that scalability
1: yeah i I love that this is the stuff that you know when we geek out on uh so can i be super nerdy and read what i think is the most riveting paragraph in a book uh regarding these matters so you think about this leaders healthy leaders scalable teams growth culture as you get the leaders people systems dialed in you're set up for a growth culture Now, what I'm going to read to you real quick is from Robert Keegan. It's called An Everyone Culture. This guy is the preeminent expert on how adults develop and grow. He focused his work the last number of years, last few books, on businesses and organizations. Now, now catch this, Jimmy, and you tell me if this isn't true. In an ordinary organization, most people are doing a second job no one is paying them for. Well, that sounds like a lot of waste. What would that second job be? I'll keep reading. In businesses large and small, in government agencies, school and hospitals, in for-profits and non-profits, and in any country in the world, most people are spending time and energy covering up their weaknesses, managing other people's impressions of them, showing themselves to their best advantage, playing politics, hiding their inadequacies, hiding their uncertainties, hiding their limitations. Hiding. And you think about this statement that he's making here. People are doing a second job no one is paying them for. When you're insecure in who you are, it's exhausting. It's so much work. You can't hear what's going on. Your own mind is so busy. And if people think they just turn that off at work, that's crazy. It's happening. And he's got the research to back it up. He's got the powerful statement to open it up with. And when you get healthy leaders, scalable teams, the energy that people are wasting on all this hiding. We call it proving and hiding. So there's two sides of the coin. We relax. And we relax because we know who we are. We show up as healthy leaders. We get in our zone of genius. And we are accountable for the results. We're courageously putting ourselves out there. We want to develop ourselves. We, we get zeroed in. And we get this growth culture activated. And that's really fun. That's what I know we wanna be a part of. That's what we wanna help companies do. Why? Because they're successful in a meaningful way. Meaningful success, a model. Right,
0: right. I can't tell you the number of times that I've talked to leaders um, and they summarize all the challenges they're facing by simply saying, we don't have the culture to achieve the goals that we have in place. And what they mean is, you know, the leader speaks and people don't listen. The leader makes a request that people don't—they're not committed. The leader hires folks and they're not properly developed and onboarded. The leader uh, isn't inspiring. There's a there's a there are tensions between people that aren't—they're that going unaddressed and unrecognized. There are all these little things that are preventing them from achieving the change that they that they want that looks so good on paper or makes so much sense on the whiteboard or worked so well when, when it was presented to the board of directors, but that activation just um, it gets blocked at every turn.
1: Mm. Well, and, and you think about that block, the way that most people attack trying to build a healthy culture is what? More force, more energy, more hype, more pressure, and when has forcing, hype, or pressure ever got us there? We don't achieve a healthy culture as much as we unblock it. We're unblocking the latent potential energy that is in within the individuals and with the team. We understand the, how all this works. It's not something that we have to ram through. We relax and go, let's watch what unfolds. It's still intentional, it's still data-based, but it's way more fun, man. When I stopped doing the second job no one was paying me for, when I quit that job, um, what that did to to my marriage as a parent and for sure in my impact at work. And you know what? It's not like you arrive and you're done you keep on growing through it. That's what's so exciting. It's something you keep going through, but even the organizations we work with, new people are coming in, new hires are happening. What's it look like for us to guide in an ongoing way their development so that they can run after their mission and we can help them do it in a way that achieves meaningful success, a flourishing relationship.
0: Right. And so when there's less stress, less cracks at the office, there should be less stress, less cracks at the home. Mm. Uh, And uh, everybody should be feeling more happy, more uh, evolved, more confident, more relaxed. Life is good.
1: Yeah. And and for people that want to say, like, okay, well, I think we're probably fine. We have no problems. Uh, Our culture's great. You know, I love Frank Herbert. He wrote Dune which, of course, is coming out, can't wait, new movie, going to be huge. He was a brilliant philosopher as he wrote science fiction. But he said, you know, uh, show me somebody that says there's no problems, and I'll show you something hidden, basically. Real boats rock. Uh, there's always stuff there. If, if people are listening to this and they really want to take a courageous step, uh, a- ask your staff this, your team. What do you complain to your spouse about or your partner or your love interest at night about what goes on here? I hope you're saying good things. And I want to hear those too. But is there anything you complain about? I want to know what that is. Gold right there. There's there's a place to start. And it doesn't have to feel overwhelming. You know, we can guide through that. But do you have the courage to start asking those kinds of questions. Because if you do, there's always gonna be stuff there. Always, don't tell me what you complain to Beth about. (laughs) (laughs) But this is Uh, how we do it. We start cracking it open.
0: Yeah, and sometimes that complaining, it can be just a little bit therapeutic, right? Yeah, we've all got processing. But it's smoke, right, dude? And when there's smoke, there's fire. And it doesn't have to burn the place down right you can put that out uh, but you Maybe. gotta recognize it you just can't yeah. you can't step over it
1: yeah. And, yeah and if you've been there longer than three or four years as the leader and you're upset about what the culture is and you wag your finger you gotta do that in the mirror cause that finger's pointing right back at you and that's not to shame you or pressure you or beat you down but if you've been there a number of years that culture has become you and if your team isn't scalable, it's probably over-indexed around the unique parts of your strengths and weaknesses, the ruts of your personality. And uh, that has the impact to that culture every day.
0: Right. And it's probably depending on too many heroic deeds and heroic individuals. It, that com- The conversation around it, um, requiring heroic leaders um, reminds me of a meeting you and I were at with a venture capital firm and I I know VCs as well as uh, private equity firms deal with this stuff. I mean, in the reality, the whole premise of the model is, you know, to find find the unicorn, right? Uh, You build a portfolio not to manage um, the bread and butter deals but you manage those portfolios. Typically, this is how most folks work. Uh, to find the unicorn, and that's just a, that's just a bigger example of that heroic mentality. We got to have the big win. I got to find that one person who's going to carry my sales team, or those three people who are going to carry my sales organization. Mm. Everyone else is just filling seats, and there's a few folks that make it happen, and that just that creates a shit ton of stress and risk that just cannot be ignored, and it can't be. It cannot be ignored, man, and it it can't be swept under the carpet, and it can't, it's not going to solve itself, and so many organizations and people in those organizations live with this crap every day. No wonder, um, no wonder so many people are dissatisfied with where they are. Yeah, They're ambitious and dissatisfied.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and you can see it in all the stuff coming out, the great transition as people are moving roles and... It's been called the great resignation also. All the people that are quitting and it's just they're done. And, and good people leave bad cultures because they can't get enough meaning. They can't get enough resources or they can't get enough relational health. So there's toxic drama. There's a lack of resources or there's a lack of meaning. And so they're out of there. Life's too short. They're done. Um, and what's really powerful is all of those are definable, fixable, uh, and, and it's something that is so much fun when you know how to do it and you know what you're doing. Um, there's a bright future ahead for those that want to take that path and figure out what that growth culture looks like for them. And uh, you don't have to play in that space anymore. And, and I know, left to my own self, if I led an organization and I was not aware and I was my own worst enemy, which is true for all of us. It would be an organization built on like a, a heroics and a healthy business is going to be built on this normal, consistent effort. You know, it doesn't mean we don't innovate, doesn't mean we don't take leaps, it doesn't mean we don't have great insights, but it doesn't require killing ourselves to get there. And uh, I think the world's kind of done with that.
0: Right, right. Right, and just and just think of the the growth multiplier concept, right? If if we we say that growth that uh, servant leaders are natural growth multipliers, and what we mean by that is when you have that when you serve a shared goal and you follow a shared path, you have leverage. You create leverage that one plus one equals three uh, function of a team all pulling in the same direction and working together versus. The team members that compete with each other, or um, or pick on each other, or go to work in spite of each other, uh, and again, you can never have a, a, a team is never going to exceed the reach of its leader. Mm. You're never going to have a team that that uh, that if you if you're if you're if you're a leader who operates a certain way that isn't functional, that isn't healthy, um, you're not gonna create a team that's going to uh, cover up those inadequacies long-term. You may get lucky here and there. So you've gotta make a choice. And why not share what you learn with the team and together uh, create something bigger and better?
1: Beautiful. That's what I wanna be a part of. It sounds like meaningful success.
0: Looks like you you, you grabbed a book there, Chris. I heard it crack. uh, Yeah. Well, I was going
1: to read it again just because it it was so good. (laughs) Not the whole thing, but just this idea of, yeah, how are we going to get where we want to go if most people are spending time and energy doing a second job no one's paying them for? And I'm spending so much time managing impressions, showing myself to the best advantage, playing politics, hiding inadequacies. Man, it's just like that's the stuff. And there is… A pathway through that, right? Meaningful success yeah. model.
0: Yeah, it's fun. It, it, it's funny too, Chris. You read that again, and um, so many leaders today think that's the objective. I want you doing two jobs. I want you doing three jobs. Yeah, right. It's the scarcity mentality that has us thinking that we have to be overworked and overstressed to get value out of our people,
1: and that's why they will not win the war for talent mm. that is yeah. going on now.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. All right, man, we are uh, we're done. Uh, great topic. We're gonna continue this uh, next time, I think. Um, uh, I'm loving where we're headed. Thanks for investing the time today.
1: Always a privilege and fun. Peace out, buddy.
0: Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com.
1: And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.